the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Facebook crushed it. Facebook crushed it. Another plane went down today. Not good. Uh, that's three this month. Missing Air Algeria. Flight has crashed, officials say, carrying 110 passengers and six crew. Um... Wow. But Facebook crushed it. So let's focus, I guess, on the positive. I know. Not a good start to the show, huh? I'm already distracted. Revenue went up 61%, nearly $3 billion. Earnings per share, 42 cents, 12 cents better than expected. Uh, income from operations was staggering $1.4 billion. This time last year was $562 million. That's stunning. Gross margins increased dramatically, which basically means, you know, a very simple, in essence, way of putting this is sales this year. They're making way more money on them. Cost base for generating their sales increased only modestly. Revenues. $2.9 billion. That's a pretty nice beat when expectations were for $2.8 billion. Monthly active users, also known as MAUs, MAUs, 1.32 billion, up 14%. Mobile monthly active users, 1.07 billion, up 31%. That's stunning. Mobile revenue is 62% of ad revenue. It is such a well-run business, largely though only in America and Europe. Mobile monthly user growth from second quarter 2013 uh, was 219 million to 254 million. This is quarter to quarter of monthly user growth. Again, in second quarter of 2013, so just go back in your head, couple, uh, four or five quarters, 219 million people. Then the next quarter after that, 254 million, then 300 million, then 340, then 400 million. It continues to grow. Um, 63% of users visit daily. 
650 million use Facebook on mobile every day. One in every five minutes on mobile is on Facebook. 12 billion messages a day. 300 million messages, uh, monthly active users on Messenger. So they're going to break out Messenger at some point in time, Instagram at some point in time, and, and start monetizing those two. They do over a billion searches a day. Pretty big milestone. 800 million people are connected to public figures. 3 billion interactions on Facebook during World Cup. Mobile ad revenue grew 151%, still growing that advertiser base. But they did say, and this is the thing that I love about a well-run company, they did say there's going to be some tough comparables coming up. You might remember four to six quarters ago, they had almost no mobile. They weren't there. They were still very much so a desktop company. Then, out of nowhere, <clears throat> you saw them become a mobile company. And they grow it, and they grow it, and they grow it, and they grow it. So it's going to be tough for them to continue this kind of the law of big numbers is going to kind of chew them up. You know, the law of big numbers, if you weigh, if you, you know, are 180 pounds and you drop 20, that drops you to 160. Now, the next percentage, 20 down, is going to be a lot tougher. Um, if you weigh 200 pounds and you put on 50 pounds of weight, you're at 250. The next 50 pounds would be tougher. It just gets tougher to, you know, continue to get big. Your salary goes from 50 to 60 to 70 to 80 to 90 to 100. It's tougher to, like, get to 200. So, we got that going on. What else do we have going on as far as today goes? Um, markets are close to all-time highs, if not at all-time highs, depending on what market you're talking about. S&P 500. The Dow. The NASDAQ. I'm not a big record kind of guy. Um... It doesn't really work for me very much. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, if I'm retired, sure, do I want a record. But it doesn't necessarily, you know, translate into anything until time for it to translate into something. Like, um, you don't want to get, like, Father of the Year award, and then next year you batter your children. Like, that didn't quite add up, right? So records don't mean much to me. It's a nice way to look back at a career in history, but you got to keep the work going. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me at robblack.com. Sometimes I sit in for CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial, New Focus on Wealth. That show's on from 1 to 2 daily. My show's on from 7 to 9 on this very station, AM 1220, KDOW.
Welcome in. Rob Black sitting in for Rob Black. The other Rob Black is exhausted. It's earnings season. Too much Apple and Facebook surging in his head. So I'm Rob Black 2.0. Facebook soars as Zuckerberg's cash machine kicks into gear. That's what it's eventually going to be, a cash machine. And it's got our eyeballs. People check their Facebook on a regular basis. Rob Black 2.0 has his own Facebook page to match his father's Rob Black's page. He also has a I Hate Rob Black page. And people spin their eyeballs looking at it 2.7 hours a day um, going into mobile phones. A lot of that's going into Facebook. Unlike ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, who pay to have content made and then sell advertising around it, Facebook just says, here, give us content and bring the eyeballs to us. Um, it's a long time from happening, but one point they're going to be able to turn, uh, you know, downsize the company and just let the cash roll on in. SP 500 down fractions, the Dow's up one, the Nasdaq down seven. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He is a certified financial planner. A lot of what we talk about, Chad, is max out your 401k, buy a sensible house, keep earning money. Support your kids, send them to college. And sometimes it, that's great, but it ends at 50, 55, 60 that you've done all this great stuff. You've created wealth and you're tired and you, you're tired of your spouse. <laughs> you know, like What used to be a spark and fun just ain't a spark and fun anymore and you get divorced. Divorce after 50, the gray divorce. Let's talk a little bit about it. Oh, man. it's, it's uh... Unwinding what you've created. Yeah, it's and it's shocking. Um, at least it's a divorce that typically the the children are grown, so it's not. At least it's not a custody fight type of divorce, which is extremely unless expensive. You're Steve, unless you're Steve Martin, oh. just had a kid at sixty seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are so much more into the, what's going on in the media and entertainment Dude, world. I, I, I thought Steve Martin was dead for all I know. His kids could be his comedy when died about twenty years ago. <laughs> His kid's going to be 18 when he's 85 years old. Oh, Can you imagine gosh. having a daughter at 85? It's just not even fair to the kid. I agree. It's not. They, they just miss out on hey, playing catch with dad. Well, dad would have played catch, but he broke his hip. There you go. <laughs> but at least the kid's going to get a whopping inheritance if Steve Martin That's true. Well. He, will, he will inherit money earlier. That's... He, he hit a lotto, so to speak. <laughs> so anyway, let's back to the gray divorce. You create an estate plan with your sugar booker. You create retirement accounts with your sugar booker. Maybe a sugar burger stayed at home and raised the kids. So Social Security is a little bit different. Unwinding all that is emotional and it's complex. Yeah. the Well, especially if there's a pension involved, how you split retirement accounts. Um, what does happen with a pension? Well, woman's, woman's married to a firefighter and he divorces her? When it comes to the pension, so the, all of that is negotiated. Okay. And there's a couple ways to negotiate it. You can either – you have your advisors because a lot of times – um, accountants or CFPs will contract with a divorce attorney to calculate things like the present value of pensions. Because a lot of times there's lump sums and there's pensions, so you have to calculate the present value of the pension and either negotiate taking that in the form of a lump sum out of a 401k or some other asset. The what What comes into play is when you're calculating those present values of pensions to use the right rates of return. Um, Use the right life expectancies because I still see CPAs say, okay, well, it's a pension. I'm going to use a six, seven, eight percent rate of return, which will drastically decrease the lump sum value. No, that's not what that's not what safe money grows at these days. Safe money grows at a very low rate, 
So that should warrant a larger chunk out of the 401k. What happens when you split those retirement assets, Rob, once it's all negotiated on the divorce decree, once the divorce decree is signed and final? You have to have a separate attorney write up what's called a quadro, Qualified Domestic Relation Order. And that's what allows pensions, 401ks, 403bs to split assets and allow the spouses to roll it into their separate IRA or retirement accounts. So it's a process. And one of the things that people have to plan for is they think they're going to go through a divorce and that that money, that retirement money is going to be available to them right away. And what you see is once the divorce is final, you see it taking two, three, four months to get the retirement accounts actually split into separate accounts so that people really need to realize where their money's going to come from during that settlement process. The divorce is final. Great. Here's what I get. Here's what you get. But where's my income going to come from in the meantime? And most people don't think about that kind of stuff. No. No. Divorce process that takes, some of them take three years when there's a lot of assets. And so they're just as happy as the other person to get the divorce final and move on. And then you know, the quadro comes from a different person and takes a longer time to process and it's it's a mess. It's it's a it's a it's a big thing to go through and you don't think that your expenses are gonna be cut in half. That's not what happens. So keeping the house, not keeping the house, these are all difficult decisions and you really need to keep a good head on your shoulder during the divorce process because having been through a divorce, you feel like a failure. You feel like you created something that was supposed to last forever, you're supposed to get one shot at a perfect love in your life and you blow it. So don't blow it. Don't make it worse by panicking and demanding you get the house. Don't make it worse by panicking and, you know, not doing things right and suing each other to oblivion. You once loved the person. Go through mediation. Don't. Well, yeah, and it's, and it's not just – it's both sides. There tends to be one person that wants to continue the conflict for a long period of time and another person that just wants it to end. So they make rash decisions and sometimes give up too much without sitting down with an advisor doing long-term cash flow projections because, you know, just like anything else in divorce, cash is king and, and knowing where each dollar is going to come from is extremely important and projecting that out over the long term. And my final thought on this is don't forget to change all your paperwork beneficiaries after you divorce. And your passwords. And your passwords. <laughs> don't make things a little bit worse, if you know what I'm saying, in the worst case scenario. You're listening to me, Rob Black. That was CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Under Armour, profit sales grow. Nice. I like both Under Armour and Nike. I don't have to have one or the other. I like them both. Um... Strong footwear and apparel sales helped the athletic makers top and bottom line. International sales did fine. Uh, renewed footwear offerings, um, strong apparel, uh, boosting its revenue. And also focus on female customers, which is kind of interesting. The housing market, sales of new homes showed a very sharp decline. Sales at pace of new single-family homes dropped in June to a three-month low. Commerce Department reported that sales of new single-family homes fell about 8.1%. Drops across the country. Jobless claims, on the other hand, pretty attractive. The number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits fell at the lowest level in nearly eight and a half years. Uh, that should, again, help set up the story that we add jobs for the second half of the year. When we add jobs, we help the economy. People go out and buy suits. They get Christmas presents. They go on vacations. They spend their paycheck. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
Finance contributor for the street.com. Hal, how are you? Good morning, Rob. I'm doing good. How are you, man? I'm always pretty good. No reason to complain. Living in California and talking money on the radio. <laughs> so, Not a bad life if you can get it. That's right. Um, you have recently penned a piece. Well, first, before we go into that, tell us a little bit about who you are. Certified financial planner, former financial consultant, writer for the street and also their personal finance page, which is called MainStreet.com. Okay, so now we got that out of the way. Um, you recently pinned a piece that's pretty interesting, five reasons to buy a house in the next five months. Mm-hmm. Let me guess one. Let me guess one. Low okay. interest rates? Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And, uh, you know, with the Fed starting to roll back their stimulus plan, most people are expecting that the interest rates are going to start easing up. Now, we've been hearing that for a while, but even if they hit 5% by the end of the year, which is what a lot of experts are saying will happen, or at least by the first quarter of next year, that can make a big difference in your payment. You want to do a little math for me here real quick, and we'll give you an example? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Take a $400,000 mortgage at 4.2%. That's about where it is right now. So a monthly payment's going to be around $1,900 a month, and you're going to pay about $300,000 in interest over the 30-year term of the mortgage. But if it goes up, just to say 4.9%, which, again, we're expecting it to get close to 5% by the end of the year. So your payment's going to jump up to about $2,100, $2,200 a month, and you're going to pay $360,000 in interest, $60,000 more in interest over that term of the loan. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And so, you know, don't wait until interest rates start to head up. Go ahead and take advantage of these low rates while you can. One of the things I tend to say, Hal, is that people can afford a payment and they don't really care about interest rates. But yeah, you're you kind know, of saying yeah. they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, and it's like uh, buying a car. Most people think about the payment. They don't think about how much they're actually paying in interest, and that's a that's a pretty big mistake. But, you know, another good reason to buy now, and you just mentioned this just a couple of minutes ago, home prices have been rising, but lately they've started to back down a little bit. You just mentioned that, that uh, they've actually fallen in the past couple of months. They peaked back in middle of 2006, and right now they're at about 2004 levels in most markets. Probably not where you are. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the prices are still slowly recovering, but you're getting a good opportunity right now that if you buy between now and the end of the year before the home uh, rates start, I mean, the home prices, the values start going way up you're going to be able to get some appreciation over the next two years and have a little equity in your house. That's always a good thing. Slow little way of 
building wealth, uh, paying yourself rent, so to speak, by owning your own yeah, home. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing. You know, renting is getting to be pretty expensive. Rental rates have been rising for the last few years, and if they're high where you live, it may be a good time to buy and stop putting that money, you know, just towards rent every month. And here's how you can figure out how to do that. Again, okay. take the price of a home that you're interested in and then divide it by the annual rental rate of something similar. Okay? That's going to give you the price-to-rent ratio. Experts say that if it's below 20, it's pretty much a good time to buy. So not a hard little calculation to do there, but very valuable. Okay. And again, uh, if people want to get a copy of your article, I'll just have them email me, rob at robblackshow.com. I'll send them a link to it, uh, unless you have an easier way of finding yourself out on the Internet. <laughs> well, you can just uh, search my name on MainStreet.com or thestreet.com, okay. and all my articles will come up, and you can see this one uh, as well. You're a CFP, and you're practical, and you're down to earth, and I like it because uh, – a lot of the people that we see in financial media are kind of, I'm smarter than you. Um, yeah. It turns people off. Well, you know, I can absolutely guarantee you that I'm not smarter than anybody. Wow. That's I say crazy. the same thing. I say the same thing, but I add the statement, I might outwork you. Yeah, that's right. So. That's right. Two more quick points. Do we have time okay. for the other two reasons to buy between now and the end of the year? Sure. Absolutely. You may have more buying power right now. And that's because Americans have been slowly reducing their debt load, paying things off like those student loans and those credit cards or whatever. And that's one of the biggest considerations is your debt-to-income ratio. So, you know, all that means is how much debt do you have and how much money do you make? We're talking about gross income, but before-tax income. Generally, you can spend about a third of your gross income on debt, and that's that's everything. That's housing expenses, credit cards, everything. So if you've been paying off some of your debt, you may have the ability to buy a bigger house or a better house or the house you want. You know, we don't want to overbuy again. We've been through that housing crash. But you, you may have more buying power. And the other reason is because you've paid off all that debt. Reason number five to buy within the next five months is you probably have a better credit score because as you pay down that debt, your credit score improves. And again, mortgage lenders are looking at that number, and that determines your interest rate and the terms of your loan, which, uh, you know, how much interest you're going to pay over the life of the loan. Another good okay. reason to buy now. Is that all of them? Did you know, I went through all five. <laughs> I'm efficient. You kind of have this Sorry. little sing you have a sing songy way, and you just got two in there. Um, well, here, here they are. Um, here's bullet points. You like bullet points? Here's a bullet point. Sure. Home prices are still off their highs. That's number one. Interest rates are expected to rise. Number two. It's getting more expensive to rent. That's number three. You probably have better buying power. That's number four. And you've got, if you've been paying off that, probably a better credit score. All good reasons to consider buying a home now. Do you have any opinion on um, how much home you should buy? Less than you can afford. 
Okay. If, if America just could live below its means, and you know everybody wants to say that, but it's actually getting to be kind of a thing now, especially with young adults, eighteen to thirty-five, the so-called Gen Y generation or millennials. Mm-hmm. They kind of get that about living below their means, mainly because they have to. But the rest of us, baby boomers like myself and everything, we've always kind of stretched our limits of, of consumer buying power. And so when you go in to talk to a mortgage lender and they say, well, you know, you can afford this amount of home, you might want to step down a little bit from that and, and not stretch yourself because you don't know. You know, most people only own a home for about five years anyway, so you don't have to overbuy. And that goes with everything, buying a car, anything. Buy Sounds a little good. less than you can. Thanks very much. That's Hal Bundrick. Let me see if I got that right. Hal Bundrick, personal financial contributor at thestreet.com. Second time he's been on. Great guest. He's a CFP, very common sense approach to money and money relationships and financial planning. A home is a big purchase. It's probably the biggest purchase you'll make in your life unless, how shall we say, you're part of the 1% and you're going after boats and islands and things like that. Uh, but long story short, um, super interesting look at why the market is a great time to buy now. And I mostly agree with them. Um, it depends on, again, if you're going to be in the home for at least hopefully five years, three to five years, because there are costs involved in buying a home. Um, if you've got some job security and you think you'll be in the area, or if not, worst case scenario, you could rent it. Great way to create some wealth. Uh, so there are some other considerations. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I, I, I wish, and I guess he says this too, that people would plan for worst case scenarios a little bit more. And uh, I think that would help them not get into financial trouble, not to hate the financial media world, not to hate the stock market, to uh, instead of blaming other people, blame yourself a little bit for people tend to bite off more than they can chew. And then when they start choking on it, they're like, <laughs> they blame McDonald's for forcing a Big Mac down their throat all in one bite. Mm, not quite. Anyhow, and anyway, um, coming up, I'm going to talk a little Facebook. I'm going to talk markets. I'm going to talk investing. If you want your content on the show, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Um, or call the show. That's even better when it could be a one-on-one conversation. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the show. Now, Facebook, I want to chat a bit about real quick. It's the number one social media stock. Um, you don't have to buy it at a 52-week high. Um, you could, but if you do, I want the plan that I would want you to have is that you're going to buy it when it does drop or when it does go higher. You'd scale into it. And if you're going to try to trade it at these levels, I think that's crazy. If you're going to accumulate a position in it over time, maybe. Um, Keep in mind that it is very expensive and that they said we're going to have tough comparables coming up. Now, I think they are probably the easiest thing for me to say about them is they are the first 21st century media company that doesn't pay to have content created for them. Uh, ABC and CBS, they have to order new TV shows every year run pilots. They don't. So their cost structure is going to be interesting in the future. Their stock price is so expensive that I expect Zuckerberg to acquire the companies that he sees as threats with stock when they're little babies. 
Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm not big into crowdfunding. I get it. I'm just, again, I only have so many hours in my day, and do I really want to contribute to a new film by a Hollywood actress who couldn't get funding from a studio? Or do I really want to contribute to a guy who's going to eat mac and cheese? Uh, or whatever. And the answer is pretty much so no. Rapid success of crowdfunding has shortened the production cycle of amazing devices. Um, there's risk associated with it. They basically come up with an idea, pitch it, and ask for money from you. And you can decide if you want to do it and or not. There was one company that did a great job, a company called Panono. If you've ever used a panorama mode on your uh, camera, on your smartphone, you know how awesome and gimmicky it can be. Move your device a tiny bit up or down or have a car pass by and the panorama comes out a little blurry or weird, right? So there's this company that basically built a ball that you can throw up in the air and catch it. And when you catch it, um, you get this unbelievable aerial 360-degree panorama shot. Now, again... I don't really, I'm not living in a world of I need a panorama of something, but I certainly get it. Um, it's a cool device. Um, electric objects, art in digital format, uh, got a big funding. Uh, one company, EO1, high definition screen, integrated computer that hangs on your wall, brings art from the internet into your home. It's pretty simple. So the device looks essentially like an empty picture frame and um, it will focus at 1920 by 1080 resolutions. So if you see something stunning that you want to hang on your wall, you got it. Um, it's a little expensive, but they've, they've invented the prototype thanks to crowdfunding. And at that point in time, now you just got to wait for costs to come down. Anyway, 800-516-1220. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. You can find me online at robblack.com, email rob at robblackshow.com. Airlines are busy, and they're hitting record profits. So American Airlines in bankruptcy court a year ago, merged with U.S. Airways. Uh, company's first dividend since 1980. They just announced today. United Airlines, the only major airline to lose money in the first quarter. 
They announced second quarter income of $919 million. It's an increase of 51% year over year. Both airlines announced billion-dollar buybacks. Southwest has been profitable, I think, 41, going on 42 years now. They just reported record quarterly net income of $485 million. And they're giving all their workers $200 one-time bonus. JetBlue announced its 17th consecutive quarter of profitability, although their income included $242 million in the sale of their live TV. Uh, once known for their TVs in their seats, uh, they've spun that off. They still do it, but they've spun, you know, building and manufacturing of all that off. American Airlines Group, they announced $1.5 billion in profits. There was a story out recently. There's two stories that I kind of want to hit briefly if I can. There's a story out recently of someone in, I think, Colorado, Denver Airport, wanting to board a Southwest airline and just got a rude gate agent. He tweets about it. And they, they find out about it before he gets on. And they're like, you can't get on the plane until you delete that tweet. Horribly wrong thing to do. Um, but they made good and they made right. And uh, again, 21st century media is just, it's so instantaneous. A bad gate agent uh, creates problems. So the other story I want to hit, because this is kind of tragic and it's, it's local to me. It happened at a beach that I go to regularly with my dog. Um, a young guy went to Half Moon Bay, and he died while building a 10-foot deep sand tunnel. Um, young guy, too, like 26 years old. Him and some friends went to Half Moon Bay, ordinary outing, trip to the beach with friends. They were building deep diagonal holes in the sand. His friends exited a nearby one while he stood in another. Then the sand started caving in on him. About 30 people, including his friends, bystanders, tried to take the guy out. They ultimately couldn't do it in time, and he died on the scene. Um, a lot of shifting sand. Um, I don't know. What do you say about that? Freakish? Sure. The financial angle, you know, the guy hasn't even been dead for a day, and here I am bringing up the financial angle is he's going to lose 35 years of income, 25 to 60. If he had a wife and kids, and I don't know. Like, weird things happen where people die. So that's why you need life insurance and disability insurance. If you have anyone that cares about you, you need disability insurance because, let's say, you suffer catastrophic injuries, but you don't die. Well, I guess catastrophic means you die. Let's say you suffer debilitating injuries, but you don't die. And he can't work for 35 years. That's why you have disability insurance, so that, you know, you don't have to necessarily live at home. You don't necessarily have to have someone take care of you. You could pay for someone to take care of you. Um, it's just a thought out there. And again, if you have a wife or children, a spouse that needs your income, you'd need term life insurance. You don't need whole life. You don't need variable life. You need term. But there's a story that just, that's so tragic. Um it, it's it's staggering. Just something as goofy as digging in the sand. Now, again, probably shouldn't have been digging deep in the sand. Probably should have understood that there's risks. Um, but psh, you couldn't have imagined that one happening. Sometimes life is a little bit stranger than, than expected. Anyhow, anyway, you can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Uh, email rob at robblackshow. Your body.
views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black. Talking finances, money invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Talk floating rates. We can talk comparisons between quality bond funds and high yield. Go back a little bit in time. Uh, Again, anything you want to bring up, I'm kind of good with it. Um, And I kind of pride myself on that. First and foremost, I kind of want to hit a company that's reporting today and a company that reported yesterday. Amazon.com is in the news. In large part because they're reporting today. Amazon's got something called Prime, which is, to me, it's a membership to get something so think about memberships. Costco, it's a membership. When you get in the store, you can buy you know, bulk goods cheap. Bulk good at bulk prices. So that's where this concept starts, okay? Investors are going to look at their bottom line. Investors tonight, when they release their numbers, are going to say, you know, let's take a look at these numbers. But what they should be focusing on is Prime, because I think that's the future. Prime members get two-day shipping, free and unlimited streaming of movies and TV shows and free access to music playlists. It's growing into a pretty big business. Some estimate that there is now 32 million Prime members, or about 13% of Amazon's total customer base. And these customers are the company's most loyal and frequent shoppers. So a Prime customer typically spends about $2,500 a year on Amazon. I'm a Prime customer, and I easily spend that. I don't like going to stores. If I need a a planter box, I get on and order a planter box, it's there in two days. So... That's eight times the spending of the typical customer. Deutsche Bank expects that there could be 100 million members by 2020, and if that happens, it would be one of the largest membership clubs in the retail or in any industry. Think about Netflix. They charge $8.99 to get movies and TV shows. Amazon charges $99 for a whole year, which probably breaks down to about the same. Pretty darn close to it, right? Um, but Amazon's got that shopping angle that Netflix doesn't have. And again, how important is it or is it not? In a recent survey by UBS, 42% of Prime members were very satisfied, but 58% had some doubt about the service because they raised the price from $79 to $99. So it's not 100% happy. Amazon stock is down some 10% this year, worthy of note. 
So that's what I'm going to be paying attention to when they report numbers tonight. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com, host of New Focus on Wealth. How are you, Mr. Burton? I am excellent. How are you? Good. Let's talk a little floating rate funds and senior loan funds. Give us an, what is a floating rate fund? What is a senior loan fund? Well, those are the two similar names. Um, so floating rate funds, senior loan funds, senior bank loans, they're all pretty much the same thing. Um, floating rate loans typically are made by banks to companies that carry below investment grade ratings from firms like Standard & Poor's and Moody's. Um, and the yields are tied to short-term interest rates. And so they're, they're shorter term, and they, the rates can adjust every one to three months if rates rise or fall. And so, you know, if we looked back to the end of 2013, many investors expected interest rates to, to rise this year. And instead, the 10-year Treasury actually fell, you know, from close to three to, to under two and a half at one point. But the, the issue is, is that's long-term rates. It's ten, the yield on the 10-year Treasury. Leveraged loan mutual funds are really, uh, or, or these floating rate funds, senior loan funds, are really tied to shorter-term interest rates. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen now outflows in 10 out of the last 13 weeks as of the end of the second quarter of 2014, according to Lipper. So people don't, you know, people are being sold these things oftentimes by advisors, um, a lot of times commission-based advisors saying, oh, they're safe in a rising rate environment. Well, I would really encourage people to look at the overall risk in these things. I'm not saying they're bad and to get out because... In one of our funds, we own a portion of these types of loans, but my fear is that people are buying these things with their safe money, with their CD money, with their, you know, rainy day money, and that's not necessarily the the uh, right way to think about these things. I mean, if you look at some of the returns of these types of loans, because they are considered, you know, lower quality loans, that. If you look in 2008 when the credit crisis hit, and I'm not saying there's another one coming, but you're seeing losses in the double digits, negative returns versus more of the you know Barclays bond index, which would have been up six seven percent or so during the same period of time. So I just okay, um, I think that hits that pretty good, a nice analysis for sure. Um, have we talked a little bit about what rates are, what are they tied to versus the Fed and money flow? Uh, what do we need to know as far as money flows go right now? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing to look at interest rates right now because you've got the idea that the feds will let the overnight lending rate increase, which could increase, you know, the rates on these types of things closer than the 10-year treasury in the fed where, you know, where they're buying kind of the intermediate bond area. Um, so even though the short-term lending rates could go up later on, if you have crisis around the world, whether it's, you know, Ukraine, Russia, uh, whatever, uh, currency crisis in many emerging markets that occurred, um, a lot of that money flowed right back into the U.S. into the 10-year Treasury. Okay. So you could see shorter-term rates kind of go up in that, that, that gap kind of close. Um, and the other thing to think about, too, is that so it's not just, okay, I'm hearing interest rates rise on the 10-year Treasury. That means my floating rate funds are going to pay me more money because it yields, yields currently around 4%. Um, that, that might not be the case. So investors get concerned. They don't know what's going on, and that's where you see these outflows like you've seen now. And that's the problem with these types of funds. If you get into the really well-known ones, and investors are – the retail investors have no idea what's going on, so they start panicking and just selling, 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 and it causes the manager to have to sell good bonds 
at a bad time, um, just like with a lot of bond funds. So it's just another lesson. Know what you own and also be very wary of large, widely held retail funds that have, are subject to you know, really drastic changes in fund flows, either a lot of buying or a lot of selling because it's really tough to manage a bond fund in that environment. And uh, also, a lot of these types of bonds, there's very little issuance out there, which means a lot of those types of bonds are trading at a premium. So the first half a percent move in short-term interest rates, it's already kind of baked in. So short-term interest rates happen to go the other direction, you can see a potential uh, loss or, you know, kind of a sell. Um, So it's not a place for safe money. When I say, you know, you need three years' worth of portfolio expenses in cash at retirement, it, that's safe money. That's treasuries. It's CDs, FDIC-insured money market accounts, no-risk money. These floating rate funds, that they're, they're nice yields right now compared to the overall environment. It's not no-risk money. They're they're higher or lower credit quality, um, and very hard to understand for a lot of investors. We've got about one minute. Do you want to stay on for another segment, or do you want to wrap up with a quick comment? Um, no, I, I could I could stay on with you for another segment. Sounds good. CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. You can find him online. Uh, You can drop him an email, chad at chadburton.com. We're talking safe money. We're talking floating rate funds, quality funds, high yield funds, and much, much more. success of New Focus Financial. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Uh, Facebook, great numbers. Amazon tonight, numbers. To me, Amazon is kind of a play on the Costco's, but also convenience of the internet. But also, it's Netflix is like, it's tough to analyze companies. It's not tough. It's just a whole new world. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton. We're talking about kind of a geekier area as far as financial media goes. Floating rate funds, senior loan funds. Quickly, tell us again what these are in case people are just joining us. Uh, Yeah, the the people are sold these funds that they're totally safe in rising rate environments, and they can sometimes not work exactly how they're sold. So it's kind of a warning that, you know, you look like uh, 91 through 94, look at the the returns each of those years and see if they had negative returns. Look at the return in 2008 and see what risk you're truly taking. I think we, we killed that one. Let's, let's, since you're talking numbers right in the heart of earnings season, let's talk a couple other uh, geeky numbers. Um, okay. Fidelity Investments Every Year issues retirement savings guidelines and okay. try to give people simple math equations. So... Um, and it, the other thing that's difficult, you know, just like some sometimes when you see a 
income statement uh, from a company during earnings season and try to decipher that. It's, it's hard for people to decipher whether or not they're on track. So Fidelity says at age 35, you should have at least one times your salary saved up. And then you add one number every five years. So at 40, you need two times your salary saved up to be on track for retirement. At 45, you need three times your uh, salary saved up for retirement. And so every five years, you know, you just add one year until you get up to age 60 and 65 to see, you know, are you truly on track? Again, one times your salary at age 35. Um, if you're not there yet, you're behind, and you better increase your savings so that by the time you get to age 40, you have two times your salary saved up, or you're going to say, okay, I'm going to be working until I'm 70, and then you got to regroup. Um, now, I'll, I have a question about that. Okay. How, do you, how do you feel that stacks up? Do you feel like that's a good number to be working with, or do you think that's a little bit too loosey-goosey? It's, it's pretty loosey-goosey. Um, the problem is, Rob, I mean, most Americans won't take that step to actually get financial advice and get a financial plan. And part of it is because they're, they're, they don't trust Wall Street. They think everybody's out to sell them something. They don't realize there's people that work hourly or for an annual fee, to, and, and they're there as a fiduciary to give them good advice, or they just don't have time to do it. But yeah. every family is completely different. I mean, you might have uh, more children. You might have more college costs. You might have a special needs child. You might be inheriting money. Um, you might have stock options. You might be working for a startup. You might be a business owner. I mean, everybody's very, very different. That's why I love the business. It keeps me, um, you know, very interested in it all the time because everybody is different. But at least if people are driving down the road and they're 40 years old and they don't have two times their salary saved for retirement already, they can at least yeah. sit there and say, I better call somebody. I better do something about this. And, you know, we know we, we help people with that because you know, I've gotten emails for years and years regarding this, that situation. So do you also like double rainbows? Um, not as much as unicorns. Um, I bring that up because you're like, yeah, I really like my business because I get to meet really interesting people. I mean, you, see, you kind of sounded a little superfluous there. <laughs> And everyone's well, different, and I like unicorns. And all, all you get to do is meet a microphone every day, right? So that's pretty much so. <laughs> um, so I like to say you need somewhere between six and twenty times your income when you quit, when you retire, when you're done. And again, it is different because uh, you know I think you need twenty times your income if you're in the Bay Area. I think you need six times your income if you're in Arkansas. Yeah. Because um, Social Security to me in the Bay Area is totally different. It goes. It just doesn't go as far as it does in like an Arkansas or more of a uh, suburban kind of area per se. Well, yeah, and it's all relative to your your expenses. And so, if you have a couple, and they both, you know, let's say they're in the Bay Area, so typically to be in the Bay Area, you have to have a pretty darn decent income, and over about a hundred and you know, basically around one hundred and ten thousand, you start maximizing Social Security benefits. And so, if you each earned a decent salary, you can assume as a household you're going to get about 40 grand a year in retirement benefits from Social Security. So then the next step is to say, how much more do you need? And so for every million that you have saved up, you can get 40,000 of income for the rest of your life if you invest it the right way. So if you need $80,000 and you maximize Social Security, you need another million in retirement. If you need 120000 you need $2 million in retirement. So 40 grand a year of income for every million you have invested in retirement Plus your Social Security, that's another couple of numbers that people can, can do quick calculations in their head. And then at newfocusfinancial.com, we have a, a sheet, uh, how long will it last sheet, where it also says how much you have and how much you're drawing. 
versus how much you're earning on your portfolio, how long the money will last. And that's another quick and dirty way to say, am I going to run out of money before I run out of time? Anything else that you want to talk about as far as some of these magic formulas go? Well, yeah, it's, you know, the other rule that I like to talk about is the rule of 72. Okay. And that's how long it takes for money to double. And so people, you know, now that we're at the high in real estate again, and you and I deal with this stuff all the time, and, you know, Bay Area wealth is a little bit different than other parts of the country with options and real estate and things like that. People are a little bit, they, they see real estate prices come back to a high and they, they think that it's so great that their real estate doubled in the last 15 years or so. Well, at 7%, you should double every, you know, a little over 10 years. Um, the rule of 72, if you divide 72 by your expected rate of return, that's how many years it takes to double. Um, so, you know, versus stocks, it's behind. And a lot of people can't get a 4 or 5% yield on their two two and a half million dollar home. They think they're renting their home for a ton of money. And their yield's only around two and a half, three percent at the most. So just be aware what the true numbers are versus the income may sound high, but you're also at a very high point in real estate. Um, we got to have the Facebooks, the Googles, and the and uh, um, Apples do extremely well to consider. You have wage inflation at this high in income, high income level to push prices higher. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about? We got about a minute, minute and a half. Um, let's see. You know, the other thing too is if you're going to be 50 before the end of the year, and I'll throw out there that you you now qualify if you're going to be 50 even on December 31st to catch up contributions in your 401k and and Roths and IRAs. And so, get a hold of HR and say, okay, I, I can put an extra 5,500 bucks in my 401k this year because I'm going to be 50 or older by the end of the year. So adjust your pay now. You know, halfway through the year, so a little over halfway you know what, through the year. You know what stinks about that commentary that you just brought up? What's that? I'm starting to get closer to that age. I used to go, ah, I, I don't, I'm too young for catch-up contributions. But I'm starting to get to the point where maybe it's more of a reality. Still five-plus <laughs> years away, but starting to get there. Um, thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Dot com. Um, hear his show every Monday through Friday here, 1 to 2 p.m. on KDO Radio, AM 1220. Find me online at robblack.com. That's a whole rainbow now. Ah! Double rainbow on the way. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening. A couple things I want to hit as far as top stories go. Uh, Ford Motors earnings rose. They beat expectations. They bounced back from its bleak first quarter. The company's $2.6 billion pre-tax profit was its 20th consecutive profitable quarter and its best since the second quarter of 2011. So that's good. Big industry. 
Facebook answered their critics with mobile ad search. Um, stock has doubled since its IPO. Not too shabby. It's done more than that if you bought it on the dip when people were starting to cash out. Revenue was up 61%, roughly $3 billion in earnings. That's crazy. Um, it's, I'm sorry, $1.4 billion in income, uh, $3 billion in, in revenue. Just a year ago, their income for the last 90 days was just $562 million, so it more than doubled, or roughly doubled. To give you a better idea, it's just a, a company that they're not adding a lot of expenses, but they're adding a lot of push to the bottom line and a lot of revenue. Um, 63% of their users visit daily. 650 million use Facebook on a mobile device every day. One in five minutes on mobile is on Facebook. 12 billion messages a day. This is one that's got to scare Google a little bit. One billion search queries made every day on Facebook. Um, mobile ad grew, mobile ad revenue grew 151%, still growing their advertiser base there, and still kind of tinkering. Uh, I think if you want to own the stock, my opinion is it's not too late, but it's too late to get great returns. Um, and what I mean by that um, is pretty simple, you know. Um, it's a pretty well-known stock. It's not exactly a, a mystery to anyone at this point in time. So you know you're kind of chasing it. Um, it's got some valuations tied towards the future, not tied towards the present. Cost didn't run out of line. The company posted 121% higher adjusted earnings or 42 cents above share. 42 cents a share. Uh, the company's daily active users rose 19% to 829 million in June, um, showing you that they're a different company than Twitter. There's little question Facebook is a good company. It's beaten expectations in the past nine quarters. But a good company doesn't mean a good stock always. If you're going to buy it, you want to buy it in, in you want to buy it like three or four times. Now, if it dips five bucks, if it dips ten bucks, if it dips fifteen bucks, and you may not get all of that. It means if you didn't get it, then it, it rose five bucks probably, right? Um, you don't overdo it. You don't try to hit a home run. Uh, in my opinion, you play the game right. You don't change the way you're playing it. Other stories of note, Amazon's going to report tonight. Um, I think their future is all going to depend on Prime. Um, how many people can they get into, quote, unquote, that club? Uh, that club being very similar to Costco. Um, Two-day delivery is, is not a gimmick. Uh, it's lifestyle for me. Airlines announced record profits, very healthy industry at this point in time. They've done everything they can to maximize their flights. The only one that has really no big hub to me feels like, uh, you know, the direct routes are maybe Alaska, Hawaiian, and Southwest. Everyone else kind of uses hubs, uh, spoken wheels, so to speak. Uh, it's an interesting group on declines. They're buying back shares. It's an interesting group. And five years ago, 10 years ago, you would have heard me say, I'll never buy airlines. They haven't been profitable in 10 years. Uh, they lose a lot of money, but they kind of won that. They renegotiated with contracts, with uh, pilots, with um, baggage people, with machinists. They've kind of broken the pensions down. Um, they've just changed their business model. An analyst on CNBC said something pretty interesting today. 
managed partner and hedge fund. His name, uh, Noster, no, the name of the fund is Noster Capital. And he said, um, I think, and this is just fascinating to me, his name is Pedro De Norona. He said, um, on Apple, he said, I need to know where a company's going to be in five to ten years. Look at Apple. I don't know where they're going to be in three years. It's a competitive landscape. They might become obsolete in two to three years, as we've seen with a dozen other tech companies. Yes and no. Um, Sony became obsolete. There's no doubt about it. For their electronics and their Sony Walkman. Which I think they recently just relaunched again, which is hysterical. But they didn't have an iTunes store or an ecology around it. I'm not saying that Apple can't fail, because I think in my lifetime we will see them turn into a kind of a Microsoft kind of angle. But the question is, with their expensive shares and Facebook's expensive shares, can they just keep acquiring companies that are, you know, the next up-and-comers? You know, picking up Beats for a couple billion dollars, not that big of a, a thing. Um, if Beats turns into, you know, wearable headphones that are all that in a bucket of chicken, but, again, a little too early to tell, right? Under Armour profit sales growth raised their outlook. Strong footwear and apparel sales. They're marketing, again, towards women. They received new footwear offerings, uh, renewed focus to win more women customers over. Um, I like Under Armour. I like Nike. I think they're both strong players for the long-term investor, especially on dips. Housing rebound took a hit today. New home sales fell 8%. The sales of single-family homes dropped in June to a three-month low. Uh, people are starting to worry over the housing recovery. Jobless claims fell to the lowest level since early 2006. number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits um, hit a low. Lowest level in eight and a half years. That, that bodes well for the economy. With that said, you can find me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Spread the word on the show. Spread the word on the podcast. You can get a copy of the podcast at kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. You keep people interested in what I do, and I'll keep doing what I do for you. Hopefully it's valuable. We take a break here. Talk soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.